Welcome to the Bible study for midweek meeting for this week, last week of April, and we're in First Peter, trust all's well, <laughs> and tonight <laughs> the title for the message is All's Well That Ends Well. I was just talking to Robbie about it, and he said that is a saying of Shakespeare, but Peter was around before Shakespeare, so we'll go by Peter, <laughs> and uh Peter in First Peter is talking, <clears throat> talking about the trials of life, how to handle the trials of life. And before he gets started, in chapter 1, he's encouraging the believers to think of the end. How's it all going to end? Well, it's going to end well. And so we could truly say that yeah, Peter had this thought and other Bible writers had this thought before Shakespeare. Um, <clears throat> If we fail, and we will, we should not be despondent, discouraged and throw in the towel. That's not what God wants us to do. We need to confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9. We need to avoid putting ourselves in temptation's way. We have a weakness, don't go there. Burn it, throw it out, don't go to that place, whatever it is. Uh, thirdly, <clears throat> Don't carry around a load of guilt, but realize that if you've confessed your sin that's led to your failure and yielding to temptation, that sin is forgiven. And fourthly, make a new start for the Lord each day. Someone has said that today is the first day of the rest of our lives. The beginning of the day is a new day. <clears throat> that statement applies to our spiritual lives as well. We should make a new start if it hasn't ended well the day before. There's a spider that dwells on the church walkway. <laughs> and on Tuesday night's Bible study, we've come in. We're in here for about an hour and a half for our evening classes. And I think it was Matthew and Ariel were going out there and Ariel was walking along and then there's a spider right in the face. Good size one. He'd built his web across the pathway. If you've ever stopped and taken the time to see one do that, often they fail. They put a thread out to put an anchor in, and it won't do, but they keep at it. It's been observed that they'll, they'll do that eight times. They won't give up, and we ought not to give up. We need to confess our sins, as we said from 1 John 1, 9, and keep on keeping on, being faithful to the Lord. In this portion of scripture that we look at tonight, just chapter 1, verses 3 to 5 of 1 Peter, <clears throat> the key verse that we have here is verse 7. I know it's a later one, but we're leading to that. Really, the section goes from chapter 1, verse 3 to 12. We're just looking at three, three verses tonight. But verse 7, the key, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perisheth, Though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praising, honour, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> now we we know that someone wrote wrote very similar to that Job back in the Old Testament. So here we have the heart of the answer to the trials. Know it's working for your good, as Paul said in Romans. <clears throat> Think of some of the trials you may have been going through recently. Some of the temptations you've had to face. Perhaps you've lost someone dear to you. 
Perhaps you haven't that friend that you used to have. And with the lockdown that we're going through, there's a whole different situation, situations that we're all facing. Maybe we've suffered financial reversals. Things have not gone well in that. A lot of people are in that boat. Um, <clears throat> sometimes our trials are known by others. Sometimes our trials are just known by ourselves. But the Lord <clears throat> has given us, through Peter, the encouragement to keep on going, even in the midst of the trials. There's a word, trial, and at church here we would ask you to give some answers, but I won't be able to hear you if you give an answer. If you put it as an acrostic, T-R-I-A-L-S, and think of some things that might relate to that, T, things, words that start with T that have to do with trials, well, trouble, tribulation, and um, in the early church, torment and torture was also a part of that, and throughout church ages it has been so for Christians. Ah, what is a, some words for R that we could say we're under trial? Well, ridicule, ridicule, laughed at, mocked at, um, <clears throat> rejection when we give the message, regrets when we failed the Lord, we knew we shouldn't have, and we did. I, infliction, illness, infection, some people that we know and pray for are going through illnesses and things that they've got and with the coronavirus around, the infections that have come upon some. A, in, a in trials, affliction, <clears throat> anxiety, agitation, all these things have to do with trials, agony and adversity. L, <clears throat> well, loneliness in the way things have been set up now. Well, I think they're going to be relaxed soon, but being home alone. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> lamentations. You can hear the right of lamentations, lamenting over the problems of life, the trials of life, the, the failures of life. And then S, um, <clears throat> some things to do with trials, suffering, um, stress that trials bring. And they say and have been advertising a lot for psychologists to help you through the troubles. And mental health is a big issue right now. And when people go through trials, these things come up. And sorrow and sadness and and different things that you, you could put all your own down there in <clears throat> considering the trials. Let's pray for a, a bit and then we'll go into the study from verse 3. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word of God that gives us encouragement. We know all's well because it's going to end well for the believer. It's not going to end well for the non-believer. And Lord, if there's someone listening tonight or watching tonight, May they think about their eternity. Where will they spend eternity? For eternity is just that, never-ending life in hell or heaven. And Lord, it would be a scary thing, the way the world is and the way eternity has been told to us to be in the Word, to go out without preparation. May we have the confidence that all's well because we know it ends well. Bless your word to us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, we've seen the source of our salvation, verses 1 and 2, foreknowledge of God. We've covered that several times in a morning, in a service on Sunday, as well as the last prayer meeting study time. <clears throat> we see now the security of our salvation. The, the present position we have as believers in verses 3 to 5 that we cover tonight. 
It's a living hope. In verse 3, blessed be God and Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now in verse 2, we saw that our salvation is mentioned there. It's, we're elected of God by his foreknowledge. We're sanctified through the Spirit and we're sprinkled by the blood of the Lord Jesus. We're saved. And then we have the living hope. Verse 3 teaches us that salvation is by the mercy of God according to his abundant mercy. <clears throat> In his study on First Peter, Kenneth Weiss said, according to implies impelled by his abundant mercy. There was this compelling constraint in the merciful heart of God that made him act on our behalf to do something about our eternal plight. When Adam and Eve sinned, something had to be, do had to be done. But he was compelled by his mercy to do that. I'm thankful that God is a merciful God. You know, I, I see Christians and some of them, well, they say they are Christians and they go by law and they come down very hard and heavy on people. But for the grace of God, there go I. I could have been in that position. And if we're going to judge someone like that, watch out. We, not, we might be judged of the Lord. We might get the same trial in our life. We may fail too. And God will call to our mind what we said about the individual that we had no mercy upon. But God is not like that. He is a merciful God. He is a very gracious God. We know that grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. We don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve salvation. We have sinned against a holy God, our creator. But in his grace and his mercy that flows freely and abundantly to all, we have salvation if we believe. <laughs> and so God is a merciful God. In salvation, we are begotten, as it says there, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his abundant mercy, abundant mercy, hath begotten us again. The word begotten in verse 3 is the same as the word over in verse 23 of the same chapter, where it says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Being born again and begotten are the same words that Peter uses here. And this particular verb is used only in two places in Peter's epistle. <clears throat> I was challenged once to say, is it true that we're born again when we're saved? Is that what happens? And some people say, oh no, that was in John. So that's the Old Testament. No, no, it's here in Peter. It's in an epistle. And P Peter was, yes, an apostle to the, to the Jews, but he also went to Cornelius' house, who was a Gentile. And so, yes, we are begotten. We are born again. It means renewal or the impartation of new life through the seed of the word of God, as it is in verse 23. And <clears throat> that comes through the ministry of the Holy Spirit as he implants the word of God in our lives. Just back in Romans chapter 9, we have the mention of God's mercy and grace. Chapter 9 and verse 15 and 16, it reads, For he saith to Moses, 
I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I, I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Our salvation is certainly comes from the mercy of God. Our being born again comes from the merciful hand of a loving God. In verse 17, for the scripture saith, um, no, verse 18, we'll skip 17. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. And he's talking about the Jewish nation in the rejection of the Messiah there. But <clears throat> yes, he is a merciful God as it's given to us in those verses there in Romans chapter 9, verse 15, 16 and 18. Back in Peter there, our salvation did not begin with us. <laughs> we weren't born again because of our merit, because of how talented we were, how good looking we were, or how nice we were. No, Romans 3 tells us we're all, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's nothing good that comes from the heart of man. We are desperately wicked. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, even, Jeremiah said. <clears throat> Each person who trusts Christ is drawn by the Lord to himself. And he has mercy on us in our pitiful and terrible situation. And his love flows and salvation comes. So each person who trusts Christ is born again. And we're born again, as it says, according his abundant mercy has begotten us again, begotten, born again, unto a lively hope. <coughs> A lively or living hope. Peter's expression here includes more than the believer's hope of the imminent coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a blessed hope, according to Titus and many other references refer to that. That's a wonderful hope. It's more than that here. It is a lively, living hope. Something which energizes the believer daily, constantly. Not only is this living hope energetic hope, an attitude of expectancy, but also it's a blessed assurance of the glories of heaven. And Peter is reminding them of this because they're facing severe trials and he's saying, look up, all's well that ends well. For we are <clears throat> we're already, as it were, in heaven. As Christ is in heaven and we are one with him, we are, as it were, in heaven. As it says in Ephesians 2.6, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Presently, we're, we're in heaven. Good is done. In Romans 8 and verse 30, one we've looked at a few times lately. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Good is done. We're going to be glorified. We're on our way to heaven once you've been born again. And so through the mercy of God, he's been... And we've been born again through his mercy. We have a lively, living, constant hope in the Lord. And this helps us to get through these trials of life. <clears throat> the resurrection is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I'd love to be able to turn to First Corinthians chapter 15 and speak of the resurrection. How say some among you there is no resurrection of the dead? If Christ be not raised, we are yet in our sins. We are not born again. We haven't experienced the mercy of God, but that is not so. But now, it says later, about verse 21, I think, but now is Christ raised from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. He has been raised. 
and he will raise those who trust and believe in him. And so we have a living hope, a lively hope, the security of our salvation, a lively hope and a reserved inheritance. Verse 4, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. But he used more expressions to describe the inheritance of the believer than to identify it. First, first of all there, the inheritance of the child of God is the Lord himself. The Lord himself. He is our inheritance. In Psalm 16 verse 5 it reads, The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and my cup. He alone is a is adequate to make eternal eternity priceless to have the Lord ever think about heaven there and meeting the Lord and you say well I'm not important enough <laughs> ah every son every child of God is important and he will we will spend eternity with him that makes heaven what it is we're with him that saved us and showed us great mercy and he's given this to us. The Lord himself is our inheritance. Psalm 16 verse 5. You look at it and read it yourself. Secondly, in this verse, in verse 4, <clears throat> to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. The Lord has reserved for his children heaven itself. It's indescribable. Where would you go if someone asked you, well, what's heaven like? Where would you turn to? Well, I think... Last book of the Bible is a good place. In chapter 21 of Revelation, I saw heaven, a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth were passed away. There was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God. As I say, our inheritance is... To be with the Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> he's going to tabernacle with us, is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. It's all personal. God will be with us. But there, heaven is described as this great and wonderful place. It's called the New Jerusalem, 1,500 miles, whatever it figures out. I've got it written down somewhere in kilometers. It's a long way, cube, as it's mentioned there in the book of Revelation. And a lot of no mores there. <laughs> Some things will be done away. No sin, no sea, no Satan, no self. And the other things that you find there in the book of Revelation, <clears throat> verse chapter 21 and chapter 20, 22 there. A reserved inheritance, a wonderful place. Where would you go? Maybe another place you know of. <laughs> John 14, verses 1 to 6. I go prepare a place for you that where I am there ye may be also. And if it were not so, I would have told you. And uh, the question was asked, uh, we don't know where you're going. How can we know how to get there? And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And so we have a reserved inheritance, the inheritance of the Lord Jesus, the inheritance of the new heaven and new earth for eternity. And it won't wear out like the old one because the old one's going to be folded up like an old garment. When it wears out, we fold it up. Put it away or throw it away. <clears throat> but not heaven, not eternity. We, are <clears throat> we have not only the place, but we also have the people. Saved loved ones. 
glorious host of the redeemed. You ever think, stop and think of it? Think about it. You know, we have special days. We get together as a family, and great times we have. Times we remember. Times we get the camera out, take pictures. Christmas and Easter. Not this Easter, but <clears throat> we did get Christmas in, and uh, actually we had a birthday just before it was locked down, and um, we all together there and had a wonderful family time. And just think of it that we're going to spend eternity with each other. We, we won't be in family groups as that will be the family of God in heaven. What a wonderful time it will be. No imperfections, better food than we've ever seen if we're going to eat. <laughs> but wonderful thing to be with those that we love, with the redeemed. Now, you know, it's like a lot of people are saying that I've been ringing up in the church here. You know, we, we get the sermons, yeah, we get the, the sermon studies from the Bible. But one thing we are missing, you know what it is, what you've told me? The fellowship, being with one another, talking with one another, and, and fellowshipping. <laughs> That's going to be eternity. Read First John chapter 1 about the fellowship. Stay in the fellowship. Um, when we get back together, if the Lord doesn't come in the meantime, we um, will have wonderful fellowship. And uh, heaven is a place with people, fellowship, the Lord himself. And the, the, the place, the building that is described there, new heaven, new earth. Uh, <clears throat> we also have rewards and crowns that are mentioned throughout the New Testament. At least five crowns are mentioned there that we cast at Jesus' feet. Not to make ourselves look good, but to give something back. What have we got? What can you give somebody that's got everything? What can you give somebody that made everything? The Lord Jesus. But we can give something back that he gave to us anyway. The rewards and crowns are heaven, a, a reserved inheritance. We look forward to glorified bodies. All the weaknesses and the sicknesses, <coughs> the pains and the suffering, the coughs, gone. The um, coronavirus, gone. The Lord reverses all these things. Can he do it? Of course he can do it. Read the gospel, see what he did when he was down here with humans. And how he healed all manner of diseases and sicknesses. New body. None of those things anymore. The, <clears throat> and you see how Peter's lifting them up and encouraging them. Right? No matter what's happening down here, nothing on eternity. All's well that ends well there. Um, <clears throat> the full possession of the inheritance is guaranteed. As it reads in that verse, we'll get, get back to Peter. And verse three, 4, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. You ever got on an aeroplane? They give you the seat number and all that, and you go down there and someone's sitting in your seat and show them the ticket or some place, another place you've been, that's my place. We have a reserved place in heaven who have been begotten of God or born again of the law. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't fail. Keep the faith. It's reserved in heaven for you. I know you can't lose salvation once you've got it. It's a guaranteed inheritance. <clears throat> it's never going to waste. It's never going to be diminished. It's never going to be polluted. It's never going to be ravaged by time or an enemy coming in. In Romans 8:17, And if children and heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And Matthew 6, and I will turn to this one, in Matthew 6, 
wonderful portion of scripture where the Lord is encouraging us <clears throat> to think of the end, to think about eternity, to live life with eternal perspectives in view at all times, in good times and hard times. Keep the end in mind. It's going to end well. Not, don't take my word for it. Read the scriptures. <laughs> All's well that ends well, and God said it's going to end well in Matthew 6, verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal. <laughs> now, <clears throat> in, the, in the church here over the years, and almost all at once, there was five to six families that had told me they lost their inheritance or it was taken away from them or someone else got it. Today, with the way finances are, you might have lost 25% of your retirement. If you're younger and you've got time to live, the Lord tarries, you might build that up. But for old fellows like me, and I won't mention the other pastor preached on Sunday, <laughs> it's gone and uh, doesn't matter listen to what the Bible says it doesn't matter about down here about losing out it doesn't matter if you've lost your inheritance and others have got it and have squandered it and wasted it and riotous living as the prodigal son did you can sort of feel how the son that didn't leave home felt this guy wasted all your living half of dad's money went with that bloke and he comes back and wants a party. Or Dad's giving him a party. You can feel for him. But folks, these things down here are not important. We have a guaranteed reserved place in heaven. <clears throat> heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will not pass away. And it says, rust doth corrupt. Moth does corrupt. You've had woolen garment in the cupboard, pulled out, full of holes. Very expensive item. Rust. Have a bulldozer that going rusty because it's not being used. Yep. And nothing lasts down here. And thieves. Thieves. White collar thieves. Blue collar thieves. What do they call them? Those guys with the super fund. You know, they, those guys that say they're looking after your interests. And it ends up you get less out than what you put in. Ah, they'll have their day. But don't worry about that. We have a reserved inheritance in heaven. And the last one is a secure salvation in verse 5 of chapter 1. <clears throat> who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. <clears throat> inheritance is guaranteed and we'll enjoy it forever. We are kept by the power who are kept, it says there. Those who have been born again have a definite inheritance. We are kept. Kept ones. <clears throat> Ephesians 1.14 says, Who, that is the Holy Spirit, is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. When we are born again, when we're begotten of God, when his mercy flows to us, we have the Holy Spirit that comes and lives within us and he is a guarantee of our salvation. He is our security. 
He's not going to leave us. He's going to go with us right through life. The only time that it says that the restrainer, it doesn't say directly the Holy Spirit, will be removed is when the tribulation starts. The Holy Spirit will still work during that time, but not as he does now within the believer. <clears throat> God continually performs this act on our behalf. He keeps us. He keeps us safe like you do your children. You make sure they're safe at all times and as much as humanly possible, you look after them. God looks after his children, his begotten ones. And he continually performs this action on our behalf. It says in Colossians there that by him all things consist, that is, in this world. Everything keeps rotating, every season keeps coming, atoms keep going around, electrons, everything works. He holds it together. So he does our salvation. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 31 to 39, all those there... Uh, security portion of scripture speak who who can be against us who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect who can condemn us who what shall separate us from the love of God nothing 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 the answer comes back nobody and nothing is going to separate us from our eternal security in the Lord we're kept by him we're in his the hollow of his hand John 10 no man can take us out of his hand, not even ourselves. Um, <clears throat> and it says, who are kept by the power of God. Is there own, anyone more powerful? Read Romans 8, 31. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Nobody. Who can challenge God? Nobody. Well, <clears throat> kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Through faith unto salvation. I thought, wait a minute, Peter. Aren't we already saved? Why are you saying through faith unto future salvation? It's talking about the body. <laughs> it's talking about the day we'll have that new body. But how does it happen? Through faith. Faith is a channel which relates us to uh, the divine power. By faith in the Saviour, the believer entered into the divine family. Now by faith also the believer claims his power of, this power of God acting in his behalf. Even our faith is the gift of the Lord, worked in us by the Holy Spirit, as it says in Romans ten seventeen. So faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That's when we got saved. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Now, <clears throat> the just, Hebrews ten thirty eight, the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Without faith, Hebrews 11.6, it is impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Have you faith in God? Have you the security that we're talking about tonight? The encouragement in troublesome times, in hard trials, is the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work for us on the cross. As it were, it was in Abraham's life. Romans 4, verse 3 to 6. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. David also, it says, believed God and it was imputed to him for righteousness. It's not that they work for salvation. They believe by faith. And they become one of the kept ones. One of the ones that had a guaranteed inheritance that Peter talks about here. And then through faith unto salvation. 
It's much more inclusive word, the word salvation, than conversion. Uh, we, we, over the past year, went through salvation and the things that salvation has to do with, or that come along with salvation happens. Repentance, regeneration, redemption, reconciliation, conversion, adoption, sanctification, justification, imputation, glorification. And so salvation is a broad term that includes a lot of things. God, through his mercy, has had us to be born again and we're kept by the power of God with a place reserved in heaven for us and it's going to happen in the last time to be revealed in the last time you know where I'm going with that we could spend all night we've spent enough already but uh, <coughs> glorification one day and one day soon it's going to happen. 1 Corinthians 4, 13 to 18. That's 1 Thessalonians, sorry, 4, 13 to 18. And 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 58. Tell us that this mortal is going to put on immortality. <laughs> this corruptible is going to put on incorruption. And then salvation is complete. And this is what he's saying here. Reserved in heaven. It's talking about a future unto salvation. To be revealed in the last time, the revelation of our salvation in its full extent, and, and, and the thing that lasts for eternity is going to be beyond comprehension. In First Thessalonians, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with those who have died and are raised to meet the Lord in the air. And it'll all be done, it'll all be over in a flash of an a twinkling of an eye as it says in the scripture and will be in heaven to enjoy its bliss forever hey what trials can come that can make us think oh it's not too good down here listen to what you've got in the future it's going to end well think of it when trials come and may the lord bless you until we meet again and I trust to see you on sunday or you can see me and I'll see you, can't see you there, but we'll see you. And Lord willing, in time to come, they'll be letting us come back here to, to, to fellowship and to talk and chat with one another. It's going to be a noisy day when that happens. But look forward to it. Maybe the Lord will come before and our salvation will be complete, like Peter said, before that happens. That would be wonderful. God bless as we part now. See you then.